All right, so you're 16 at Quell Hollow. You just told me this because we'd take a little bit of a break. You're making, what, how much? Nine bucks an hour at Quell Hollow? Big deal. So you pretty much doubled your income from 14 to 16 almost. Um, so you're at Quell Hollow, probably into college, right? At, and you go to college at Johnson Wells. Walk me through Johnson Wells. What was your major? And pretty much convince me how normal you were or how extraordinary you were. Good question. So at Johnson & Wales, my degree was in marketing and I thought that I really wanted to get into like commercials, right? And you find out quite quickly because the my, my minor, <laughs> yeah, my minor was in um, like business administration. So that was like my first kind of exposure to like not just like the fun side of marketing, but like the money side of marketing. And it started getting really, really interesting. Like entrepreneurship started getting really, really interesting. So it was after I started my internship while I was in school. So still working at Quail Hollow, then started an internship with this company out of New York City. All right. So before we dive into that, lay of the land, this podcast series is called Zero to 60. So I'm going to assume $9 at Quail Hollow is a job that anybody could get so we're going to count that as zero and now you're about to start the story of how you got to 60 probably so you're in college you get an internship you're working for nine bucks an hour like yes or no could anybody in the world probably work at a at a golf course for nine bucks an hour Absolutely. absolutely so no barriers to entry in this world all right so internship this is i think where you're probably starting to separate yourself not only from your peers but from everyone else out there yeah, so I again just being raised by my parents like they I, I was a pretty good student like all things considered I definitely got better grades than my my peers but I was I was grateful to be surrounded by a lot of really ambitious students. So a lot of my friends were the kind of people that were like a part of like five different, you know, uh, organizations and stuff like that. So I was like on the the first people to like start the first Johnson Wales hockey team like I was on the founding fathers of Kappa Sigma fraternity like I was on like the yearbook committee taking pictures I was on the student alumni association as a I was like on the student government association as a senator so I was like trying to get involved in everything I could mostly because I just wanted to get to know as many people as possible Wow, that's amazing. So I heard, I was listening to James Aldrich's podcast yesterday, and he interviewed, I think it's Jack Robbins, Tony Robbins' son, and he said, your relationships impact your performance versus what I used to think is that your performance impact your relationships. So it sounds like you're kind of fitting the mold of that you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. So at Johnson Wells, it sounds like you're hanging out with some producers, some high-quality people. Would you say... That that's true. That your relationship and your relationships improved your performance, and that they kind of took you to that next level by you surrounding yourself with those kind of people. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I came into Johnson and Wales with two things that I had going for me. One was I was raised to try to get good grades, and I was raised to just make sure that I always worked. So those were the two things that I came into Johnson Rails with. But what I learned from all the people around me was that's not enough. Like, you, great, you get good grades, great, you have a job. But, like, let's also start meeting with, like, people. Like, let's make sure that the president of the school, like, knows who you are. I would, like, try to schedule meetings with them and stuff and just, like, chat with them, you know. And it was it was cool. I still, to this day, like, keep in touch with them. Um, 
and so it's that that was what I had like started gaining from hanging out with with more people there where it was like people just I don't know I they probably learned it from their parents or they learned it from like books they were reading but it was it was this new world of like you can't just do that on your own you don't just like be a good student and then everything falls in place for you you got to like get out there and start networking and getting to know as many people as possible and make sure people know your name so that that was helpful to uh like helpful knowledge to gain from my school and it was that was the way that i ended up getting the internship was a really good friend of mine had the internship and then was like oh man like i can't do this anymore like you would love this internship and so i was like sweet i'll do it and it was it turned out to be the start of like my whole like web and design career so this new york company do you move to new york do you do it remotely like marketing company in new york is kind of vague like what is that well, so it was a business consulting company that helped small businesses grow. You know, they would do like assessments for them and they would they would put together proposals and packages. They would help them make like um, decisions when it when it came to whether or not they should be acquired, all kinds of stuff. So the my specific job, because I was the youngest, was basically trying to drum up more business using the website and using social media, which at the time I was like, man, I don't even know how you're going to do that. Like I use social media for like all like other reasons. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so then it was like, okay, well let me just figure this out then. So you start Googling around. And then one of the best parts of that internship that was here in Charlotte, I didn't have to move to New York city. It was all remote, but like one of the best parts about that was the, one of the major things they wanted you to do was get out and go to networking events. So I had access to Charlotte, and uh, Matthew's chamber. I had uh, two other groups that I went to. No, I was here in Charlotte and I, uh, there was two other networking groups that I was able to be a part of from this consulting company. And we definitely had some good leads, like a couple of clients I helped bring on. But then one of the best experiences was two things. One, they needed somebody to help manage their website. I was the youngest guy. I was like, oh, I can Google how to do this. That's no problem. So very common in our generation, like, hey, you're the youngest guy. You obviously know everything about the Internet. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, it definitely was. They had no idea how to just make chain text changes and stuff to their website. So I just like, right. And I didn't either, but I was willing to like Google, like, what's HTML? Like, how do you use FTP? You know, and so I, I just kind of Googled around for it and started updating their website. And that proved to be a really important Thing to put on my resume because after that I realized like oh this is really what I want to do is like build websites for people and and really get involved in like the technology side of marketing so two things one it's really cool like you found out oh this is what I really wanted to do a lot of people take the other approach which is well let me like go to school and study and figure out what I want to do and then I'll choose my job you just started working and then you found out what you wanted to do through that. I had one of my biggest mentors. Um, he's like a, a big real estate guy. He was like, I just spent my first 30 years of my life figuring out what I didn't want to do. And it's interesting. And that's usually what successful people do. They, they figure out what they want to do by just going out and living full force. You start to figure out like what you like, what you don't like. Because there's a part of website development that's back-end development. And you, you probably didn't choose that route. You chose front-end development. You chose graphic design. Like, you're figuring out what you want to do. Um, and then and then two things, just to recap, how you got that internship. It was a friend, so networking. A friend says, hey, I don't want to do this. And he says, hey, do you want to do this? So, like, that's a big deal. 
that's kind of a the universe revolving to to help you out a little bit but it's also kind of like you were not only in the right place at the right time but you said yes you could have said no i don't want an internship i want to just keep i want to spend more time at the country club make a few extra bucks go out but you said yes so very cool um all right so keep going you're, you're at the internship when do you wrap this internship up so I was doing that the last year of college, so while I was a senior and uh, about to graduate with my marketing degree. And I had all intentions of trying to stay on with this consulting company after I graduated, but the Charlotte office, they just basically needed to close down, so the internship just kind of ended. So I was like, okay, cool, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep, yeah, it was a paid internship, and it was basically the same as working at Quail Hollow. Um, I had working at Quail Hollow was really nice because I had continued to just like work as hard as I could and try to, uh, I learned from other people too, like about like that, that cross training, man, I tell you what, in the country club world, like that pays off so much. So like, I was the guy that was like, teach me how to run the bar, teach me how to like, you know, handle the stuff in the back on the kitchen, like teach me how to run the pool, like teach me how to run the locker room. And so that I, I just continued to get like raises there, which was really nice because um, it was probably in college that I started making like, you know, $13 an hour, which was, which was really nice. And at the time, and then the internship was probably like $10 an hour, you know, so it was better working at Quail Hollow. So I was kind of like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just put in more hours at Quail Hollow, like, you know, make more money. That's cool. While I look for something else. So then graduated from, from college with essentially like not really a, a real job. It was the Quail Hollow job. This is awesome. So this is where we kind of stabilize everything. So you're graduating from college without a job. You have a job at a country club for 13 bucks an hour. Um, but we've already talked about there's no barriers of entry there. So you're, you're in every part of the statistic. You're graduating college with student debt. You would probably say no skills. And... I'm looking at you now, like you're about to go, you, you just signed on with Duke Energy. So a lot's happened since then, but you're fitting every part of the mold. You're pretty much at zero and you're graduating college and you're going to take me through like how you got to 60K because there's a lot of your college friends that are probably still working at Olive Garden, still working at the country club, but somehow you did something different, either in college, out of college. I can start to see it where, hey, I didn't know how to do a website, so I just figured it out. I didn't say, hey, I can't do this. You should assign it to someone else. And even at the country club, you're making yourself valuable. Um, so walk me through that. Like, what's your first job, Mr. I graduated college with no skills, and I don't. my internship totally fell through? Like, what do you do? How do you eat? How did you, how did you start to go work? So one of the, one of the helpful things about, like, reading and networking with people that were like way better than me at stuff was one thing that I learned quite quickly was you always have to try to like be improving your skills. So at the internship, the reason that I was saying it was very good to get that type of internship was because when I started Googling and learning how to do websites and social media stuff, the, all the networking events that I used to go to, I kept going to them. 
when I was after the internship. So I was still interacting with everybody and slowly but surely people started going like, Oh, well, can you help me with my website? Like, can you help me with social media? And I was like, absolutely. So I, I mean, I remember putting together, like trying to put together like press releases to get on the news to like, you know, get my name out there. And like, I was trying everything to make sure that people knew, like, I know how to do all this stuff. Like I graduated with my marketing degree. And at that time, like really the, my resume looked kind of weak. Cause it was like, you have a marketing degree and you have like a year of experience at a consulting firm, you know, doing a little bit of website work, but that proved to be really helpful. But you, you kind of, I mean, I play this card too a lot. It's like, oh, I graduated with a marketing degree and everybody assumes, oh, he knows how to do social media, knows how to do website design, knows how to do all this stuff. You didn't like jack squat about that in school, but you learned all that on the street. So none of those skills, you all, you learned all those skills yourself. So when people are saying, hey, can you build my website? You're like, hell yeah, I'll go figure it out. Um, so talk me through. So it sounds like maybe you started your first business like freelancing, but did you have a, a real job or are you still at the country club and just doing freelance? Still at the country club and doing as much freelance stuff as I possibly could. So that was that was what I really liked and, and was really fun. And it was great because for for my resume, it looked kind of cool that I like worked on all these little projects. So it looked like I had a lot of experience, which I started getting a lot of experience. There'd be like, you know, random photographers or accountants or like uh, body shops, like various people that I would meet who I would like help them build a whole social media like plan and, and campaign. And there was a couple people that I was like actually helping to run their social media for them. Um, there was a, a couple that I started getting like just like helping build websites. And in the in the process of doing that, that was when through another connection, this one was a family connection because I was getting ready to want to get married and I was just working at Quail Hollow and it was like, okay, this is not going to cut it. Like I need I need like a nine to five like real job. So. I was out there like just trying to interview as much as possible. I was like sending out like random letters to like people and just try, trying to do like all the, the things that you normally do to try to get a job somewhere. And then I, I ended up through my father-in-law, uh, you know, father-in-law after I got married. But like he, he was like, you know what? I have a client that he, uh, they, they really need someone that does like websites and social media stuff. I know you have the social media stuff, but can you do websites? And it was like, yeah, pretty, pretty well, you know, like I, I, most of the stuff that I was doing at the, uh, at the consulting firm was like pretty basic HTML stuff, but this company needed, it was like the a big church and school in Matthews and, uh, they, they needed like somebody that knew website stuff like really, really well, because that was the only way that their website got updated was with like straight up code. So I was like, I will just figure it out. So like the first time I ever opened Dreamweaver was like on his computer and he was like poking around and showing me like, see, here's like where all the code is and here's where you can see like what it looks like. And I was just like blown away. Like, oh man, okay, I, I will do everything I can to like try to try to pick this up in like a day or two before I had an interview with this company. And sure enough, man, it was just, it was just an amazing blessing that like, they didn't really dive too far into like specifics of coding. They really wanted to see like, character which was something that my the family connection helped with because my father-in-law was like look I wouldn't be letting this guy marry my daughter unless I thought that his character was was good and so that helped get my foot in the door and then I landed that job and I think it was like you know 37k a year which was like 
amazing oh, yeah. like you know celebrate like throw the confetti yeah. everywhere like nice i can get married i'll be working like eight to five every day like this is solid sweet stuff so that was that that takes us to that point wow all right so if i could just backtrack a little how you got that job was you knew someone like family friend but the family friend wasn't like hey this guy's got good character let him let him build your website it was like this guy's got good character. He's obviously a great guy, but he's also done a ton of freelance. So your father-in-law didn't go to this company. He's like, he's he's a good guy. Hire him to build websites. You're like, you obviously had some type of skills. So it sounds like you got hired at this church slash school because of all this little stuff you did, like all this freelance that you may have taken for free for a hundred bucks, for two hundred bucks. But those pay dividends later when you got this first really big job that you probably weren't qualified for. You didn't have a computer science degree. You didn't know front end development. You didn't know back. You didn't know all this stuff, but you you got the job. So how old are you when you get this entry level job making thirty seven K? So I was that at that point I would have been twenty one. Twenty one. Um which man, that just sounds that that's that's the thing about college, right? Like you start things like so late in life, like man, it just it felt crazy. But it was at that point that I kept working at Quail Hollow and I kept a side business, so I basically had like three jobs, which was nice because then you know thirty seven k looks like you know at the end of the tax year like forty two forty three because like you've got all this extra stuff going on. So that was really neat, and I, I was excited about kind of keeping that going, um, you know, just so I can support a family and stuff, and so. Uh, it, it was, it, I think that was really a, a kick in the pants to be like, man, I, I felt so old, like starting off that, that point, because, you know, you not, not compared to college friends compared to college friends. I felt like light years ahead. I'm like, man, I'm about to get married. I have a solid job. Like no one has this, like none of my college friends. So I felt like light years away, but that's not who I was paying attention to. I was paying attention to like the 30 under 30 list from Forbes. Like I always loved shooting for the stars and like reading about these, like just star players on Twitter and like following people on YouTube and stuff where these kids are like 18 years old and they're starting app companies and they sell it for like a million dollars. Right. So like, I always like tried to make it feel like even though things were like really good, like it could be so much better. Like if I just continue to try to learn, continue to try to network and do all the things like these other people are doing. There was this one guy, I forgot his name, but he was like super inspiring. He was like one of the youngest venture capitalists out of California, like ever. And the way that he got that job was when he was like 17, he decided to write a book by trying to get interviews with like you know, Michael Dell and Bill Gates and like all these huge CEOs and huge like famous people. And he ended up doing it. Like he leveraged the fact that he was young. He leveraged the fact that he was trying to write a book and he got like interviews with like, all these crazy methods that he included in his book. Like, you know, waiting in the bathroom for somebody at like this conference who had just finished a keynote and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, crazy stuff. Right. And like this kid was just so he was so hungry for information coming straight from the horse's mouth. He wanted to hear it from that guy. It's like, sure, I could like, you know, go read the book that you you wrote, but like I want to hear it from you. Like I want this to be a personal connection and learn like how you did some of these things from you. And that really paid off for him in the in the long run. So I loved paying attention to people like that and always like tried to feel like, man, I I know this is okay and I know this might be better than the people I'm looking at right now, but like I, I need to keep pushing. Like I need to keep like trying to do better and better every year. 
that's awesome. It's 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 an amazing part to keep those dreams alive and, and shoot for the stars. But at the end of the day, you've got a family and you've got a very practical reality of like you can shoot for the stars, you can read Forbes thirty under thirty, you can do all this stuff, but like you're still spending eight, nine, ten hours a day at this place working and you have a family. And there's like a day to day, very practical grind that's also going on here. So walk me through like you have no skills at this place. How long, how many extra, you were, you were not, how many extra hours did you have to put in to learn what you were actually doing? You got hired to like build websites, but you, you don't know really that much about websites. So how much time did you spend on Google, on YouTube, figuring out like how to actually do your job? That's, that's an excellent question. There was like, there was like a one or two week onboarding with the girl that previously had the job. And the only reason she was leaving was she was having a baby and she did know how to build websites. She did know code. She did know design. And that was like the best one or two weeks that really catapulted things forward because I was able to ask a ton of questions. And as I was leaving work, you know, I would just like continue to read up stuff on my phone, like just constantly Googling how to do stuff. So then after that, I would say like, that the first like couple months, like probably 60% of my job was like Googling how to do stuff. And then the rest of it was actually doing it. And thankfully at that point, they just needed somebody to manage the website as opposed to like build it. So that was, that was perfect because I was able to sort of progress from a skill of like, all right, here, just take care of something that's already built. And then it was about a year into that, that I was able to actually like help them completely rebuild one of their websites because like I was starting to help people on the side build their websites. And so like every morning, you know, like getting up at like 5 a.m. and like working for an hour or two before I would go into work on like some other project, then able to apply the same stuff that I was doing for another client at like the, the real job. And then like nights would be quail hollow. And I would just be like thinking the whole time, like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm just like giving people food. I want to like learn more about websites and stuff, but it was still like really good money. So I just wanted to like kind of keep that going. And it was steady. It was like something that that was uh, definite as opposed to side projects would just kind of come and go you know so like that was that was uh really hard to to be in a position where you just like it felt like every day was like oh another thing i don't know oh another thing i don't know oh i don't know anything about that either it's a very humbling experience to be like just the bottom rung of like everything but i that pushed me. I mean, I, sometimes that like makes people feel like they're in the wrong industry. Like that makes me just like want to learn it that much faster to try to like get up to speed with like the other people that have been doing this for a couple of years. How, how, how much would you say your brain hurt while working at this place? Cause it sounds like you had to Google new things and learn new things every single day. It, it was tough, man. It, I would say it, it hurt a good bit because I, some people's like minds work for, for development and, and other people's don't like mine, I feel like works more on the design side. Like if I, if I have an idea in my head of what something should look like, it's easier for me to Google around for how to make it look that way, as opposed to you want to actually like make something work a certain way. Sometimes it's hard knowing what do you, where do you even start with Googling that? Like, you know, because Google is going to kind of presuppose that you know a little bit about what you're looking for. And so that took a longer time for sure to like start learning more of the development type of languages like JavaScript and jQuery and PHP. Like that was 
harder because that's just not how my mind naturally works. Like you think about a navigation and it's like, oh, well, I know how I want it to look, but what, what do I do? Like how to make navigation work JavaScript, you know, like that just doesn't, that doesn't resonate. Like, you know, you have to figure out like, you know, how to like make something hide or show, you know, when clicked JavaScript, right? Like the, you have to get more specific with Google, at least at that point, Google's gotten smarter, but that was uh, it might, it was a constant brain hurting of like, shoot, man, I just need to like figure this out somehow. But I tell you what, there's nothing more rewarding. And I'm sure like everybody can attest to this. The times that you have something that you're trying to solve, it's like this problem, you know, and you're, you're like, you're doing everything you can to like look for it and find different ways. And you, you find something on Google and you try to like do it in the code and then like test it. And it's like, crap, that doesn't work. And then you try it again and you're like, no, nah, that doesn't work either. But this is actually closer. So we're getting really close here. And then you keep going. And then that moment when you finally get it to work is so rewarding that it really does keep you going. And that's one of the things that I love about entrepreneurship and about like this line of work is that there's these these little wins that feel like big wins all the time. You know, it's not like you work for a year on some random project and then at the end of it, it's like, all right, everybody, like, yay, it's done. Now the next thing for a year. It's like almost every day you're like hitting these little milestones. Where it's like, wow, that totally worked. Like, oh, I just built that. Like, oh, I just made that look cool. You know, and so I loved, I loved that aspect of it. And that, that kept me motivated. That's amazing. I love this. I'm going to keep talking about it. Um, Wow. Amazing. So what made you, so you're making 37 K. Do you ever get a raise like real quick? Do you ever get a raise at this place? Yeah. So about a year into it, they, I did end up getting a raise. And I think that was like 39 at that point. Wow. So a raise of $2 an hour. <laughs> um, so you get a raise, but you're still working at Quill Hollow. You're still working some freelance stuff. So what's your age at this point? How first question, what's your age? How long have you been working at Christ Covenant? Like how long post graduation? And then what's your probably total gross income? So I was probably 22, 23 as I, I was working there for about two, two and a half years. And then, so I was probably like 23 at that point, probably doing like 45 a year with like, yeah, total with like, um, quail and like side projects and stuff like that. And then, um, it would th at that point like I kind of started getting that itch where it was like all right I've gotten I've gotten pretty good with with knowing the back end of a website but I am looking up like how much web developers make you know and it's like upwards of 50k like starting and so I'm like okay there's got to be like a bigger jump here you know what I mean and so it was probably about that two and a half year mark where I started putting out the feelers started like getting the resume ready, like still doing, like I did one side project that turned out to be a huge blessing because I've kept in touch with that guy ever since. And that was like my first introduction to like hardcore development where, you know, you have like a shared GitHub repository and like you're, you're doing everything in command prompt, like running Rails servers and stuff like that to make your code work. So that was actually an amazing learning experience because I actually ended up working with the guy. I did all the front end on top of Ruby on Rails, working with the guy that like was one of the founders of like I has a cheeseburger oh, website huh? well he he was like one of the guys that worked with him um and and he like helped build that website originally and he was like just the most whiz of a coder and uh it was it was really neat to kind of get 
get acquainted with somebody that like knew what they were doing and and I was able to like really hone my skills at that point and learn the ins and outs of like a development environment and how to you know kind of go through those steps of all right now we're in the test phase before we get this out to anybody everything's getting QA'd like we're making sure like nothing breaks and so that was really cool because prior to that the experience was mostly like front-end stuff and so you didn't really have to worry about too much of that it was really about how does it look does it look okay good you're done you know yeah exactly uh, so that was probably like 23-ish that I was really starting to get that itch to like, all right, what's what's the next step, you know? It's so cool. Like, you're getting this itch, but you've been grinding. Like, this is an itch after, oh, six months, I'm a professional web, web developer. Like, you put two and a half, three years into this trade, not only eight to five at the day job, but also freelancing. And then you have this... I got to wash dishes or I got to serve people at a country club, probably five, 10, 20 hours a week. You're grinding and you have a family and you're just married. Like, do you even sleep during this time? It was, uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, probably, you know, six, seven hours. I mean, it wasn't too bad. It was the, the quail hollow started getting hard, like the more side work that there would be. Cause it, so there was, it was a roller coaster. You know, anyone that does freelance knows that, right? Like, so you'd have stretches where it's like, five hours a night because you're trying to like push through a project while you're still trying to keep everything else going. But then there'd be other times where it'd be like, yeah, you know, things are, things are quieted down on like the freelance side. The one big project that I was just mentioning, that was hard because there was a lot in the mornings, a lot in the evenings, like a lot after work at quail. Like it was just, that was pretty crazy, but I knew how important that was. And that was really, really good money. And so that was nice. Right. So like that, that was probably like, so 23, 24 was probably the first year where I like, climbed over 50k because of like all the side projects because those started getting more and more complex which meant I could charge more for them and and again like that was like you were saying like that it's at that point where you're like okay like I could still be working at quail making you know at that point probably like $14 an hour or like I could really try to push for this side work stuff but then one thing I found was like how much easier it was to just sort of let it come to you most of the side projects that I got started from networking with people at, at when I was in the uh, the internship but then all from then to literally today all of my side projects have come in from networked people that I met at that point so like way back in my internship all of those people had like told someone else who told someone else who told someone else and it's just been like so so such a tree of of connections since then so all of it's just been like referral work which has been a huge blessing that's amazing i mean now we'll get in us maybe on another podcast but we're working on stuff and it's amazing how relationships you had five six seven years ago they just kept up i got a call from a recruiter friend of mine it's like hey i know someone who needs a website built i was like i met you five years ago you know we just kept talking and it was, it's amazing how that works. So walk me through, you're getting the itch to leave this company. Do you update your LinkedIn? Do you have a personal website at this point? Like, how do you make the jump from this church slash school slash freelance to maybe did you go work for a bigger company? Um, and then how did, how did you make that jump? Like, is it LinkedIn? Do you start putting out feelers? Like, what's going through your mind here? Because a lot of people just stay in those dead-end jobs because they don't think they're qualified for more. Excellent question. The first thing 
that I tried to do was keep up like every once in a while, like maybe once a month, once every two months, like try to meet with somebody that was like a lot older and a lot more professional. So I would leverage like my connection at quail and like try to get breakfast with some of those guys and try to get coffee with some of those guys. Yeah. So quail hollow is like, yeah, if, if somebody is like really, really, high up at a company or is like ridiculously wealthy they're probably a member at quail hollow in charlotte and that's the place where the the pga tournament it is oh yeah i i mean it's insane i, I don't even remember I, I i know it was like upwards of like eighty thousand dollars cash to just like get join somewhere like that i mean i know a lot of country clubs are like that um I don't know the exact numbers there because like they don't really share that stuff. But I, I remember like looking up like what is it like average to join a club like this? And so it was it was top shelf, right? Like so the CEO of like Chiquita was there, like the Bank of America CEO was there. I didn't really get a chance to interact with them as much, but it was like other guys that like would start a company. It would be you know it'd be like upwards of like five hundred million dollar company within a couple of years, and they're the ones that are like you know you get a chance to like maybe glean some wisdom from. So I would start doing that. I updated LinkedIn, updated the resume. I, I, I learned from just like kind of Googling around how to write a resume, like you want to try to include as many numbers as possible. So that was at that point that I started like collecting data and like running numbers to see like how much have I improved while I've been here. And, and, and then at that point it was like kind of every once in a while, if I would see a job, I would like sort of apply for it and then try to use my network to see like, do I know anyone who knows that person that's hiring for that? But honestly, like what was funny is none of that was really fruitful. Cause, oh, and I even updated my we my website, like you were saying, for, for my own side company, just to like sort of prove, I did like the whole thing from scratch, just like in a, in a you know sheet of, of notepad. And like, I just approved to myself, like, okay, I can like code a website from scratch. And so this is cool. Um, and it was at that point that I was just so discouraging because like none of those methods like had really worked at all. Like I don't even think they resulted in like an actual interview. Um, and and so like the cliffhanger here is like, well then how did I make the jump from there to Carolina Cat? And it's sitting right in front of me. That was you, man. And it was like so cool though because it. I think it, what's amazing about how that worked was two things. One, you knew me. But you didn't just know me as like a friend, like you knew the kind of work that I've done before. So all of that effort and work that I had done in the past wasn't actually worthless because you actually had something to say to them. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I think Greg like does this. I don't know if he has a resume. I don't know if he has a website. You were able to be like, oh, I know this guy, Greg, like he actually does this. Like I know he has stuff out there that that, you know, I, it would make me look good by recommending me, uh, recommending him. So um that was amazing, man, because that, that was a really, really good turning point at that point. You're, you're very gracious, but if I give the, the listeners just a little bit of background here. One, I thought it was really amazing that you said, I started putting numbers on my resume. So your resume didn't just say like, high integrity, high energy, good communication skills, builds websites. It was, I grew up revenue by this point, this many hits. I have Google Analytics stats. It took us from here to over 200% growth. So I think that's really key for a lot of people looking to build resumes out there. Um, but the next thing, if I give a little backstory, like, yeah, I may have referred you to Carolina Cat. Who cares about that? The backstory is I'd started picking up some freelance stuff. I'd started, we were kind of in the similar circles, same game, technology. Greg 
for all of our listeners, is the only web guy. We'll just put you in a box of web guy that actually says what he does, but most importantly, actually does what he says. I referred you to so many clients because I was like, this guy actually returns emails. Because a lot of people in this creative web guy box, they're just creatives. They don't return emails. They don't follow up. They don't contact people on the phone. They're just like, oh, I'm just too creative. The, the work will just come to me. I'm just, I'm just out here developing, creating, photoshopping. But you actually have this very practical skill, which you and I would say is so simple. Like, yeah, I just returned an email within 24 hours. I just called them when I said I was supposed to call them. Not rocket science, but you'd be surprised at how many people I'd sent work to before that just didn't do that. So the reason we had a personal relationship because we're, we're friends, but the reason we actually had a business relationship is because you actually did what you said you were going to do. It was absolutely the most incredible thing. So if I could walk through listeners a little bit about how I referred you to Carolina Cat, it wasn't anything crazy. I was just, <laughs> funny story, I had just been fired. Um, so I'm interviewing at these places through Warm Market, this this person referred me to Carolina Cat and I'm sitting in this interview and they're going through this whole job description and I'm like this sounds great but honestly I am not your guy for this but I know the perfect person for this and so I'm sitting in that interview and I'm like whatever you're gonna tell me like one I don't even like this stuff and two I'm not good at it like I know the perfect guy for you and this guy says what he does and does what he says. Oh, and he's actually got skills. At this point, you'd probably built 50 to 100 websites for accountants and doctors and schools and random stuff. You just brochure websites, but you had a serious portfolio. Um, so I'll just, yeah, I referred you. Cool. Not that big a deal, but you had mad skills. And there's a reason that I said your name because I know a lot of people and I could have said, 50 other people's names, but there's a very specific reason I said your name, and it's because you're not only very talented in the web game, but you're very practical in the sense that you have enough business IQ to email when you're supposed to email, to call on time, to pick up the phone, to respond, and do these very practical things that essentially sets ordinary people apart from extraordinary people. So, you get a call from Carolina Cat. Who cares if I'm the one that gave it to you? But walk me through that interview process. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That's really kind of you. I it was it was a really big deal because for for me, like I was saying, I don't even remember if I managed to get an interview by doing all the traditional methods of just applying online and trying to connect with people and sending them LinkedIn messages, following them on Twitter. And that didn't really work. Um, but what did was you saying, Hey, I know a guy and them calling me like that was amazing. So the, the phone interview ended up going really well. Um, I was able to talk to the side work that I did, all of the work that I was doing at Christ covenant and, uh, and at covenant day school. And then they called you, they emailed you like, no, you, you got an interview at a big company. Like, how did you do it? Like, just what did they call the email? What'd you say? Like, pr very practical. Tell me how you landed this thing. Yeah, well, it was actually the the manager that you spoke with. Like, just 
I had my number from you, I guess. And she just like straight out called me like out of the blue. And I think you had given me the heads up that they were going to call. And so that was really helpful. So I was able to take that call. I, I had researched the company. I was ready um, to try to make sure that like I didn't like fall flat from such a great recommendation from you. I wanted to make sure that like I did, I put my best foot forward so that they knew that that was like a good referral from you. And so they called, I like, probably talked their ear off because I had, I'd researched a lot about them and, uh, and, and tried to put like all my efforts that were like spread all over the place on LinkedIn, looking for jobs, like all towards like that one job. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I, I we, this is it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get this. And, uh, and, and I wanted to make you proud, man. So real quick, it's not normal for people to spend so much time researching a company. Cause that's literally effort that you're doing that has no guaranteed result. You just hope you know a little bit about cranes and Carol and cat mobiles and tractors or whatever they bulldozers, but that's not normal. A lot of people don't do that. You'll read it on all the blogs. They research the company, know their products, but just so you know, like that's not normal to put that kind of effort and research in. But it sounds like that's one of the things that really set you apart, other than just your superior web development skills. Well, I, yeah, I, th I think I think so. I think the fact that I was prepared, the fact that I was excited about what kind of company it was, like made them feel good about me. You know, that they it made them feel good about where they worked. And in turn, they it made them feel good about me being a good fit with them. So, yeah. So I interviewed with like the manager. So that went well. And then I ended up interviewing with like her counterpart, like her, the, the other person that was on the team. And, and it was, it was a little bit scary because the way that they put it was like, for, first, like, okay, you have like the skills that we need, but like, we also need to see that like you would fit on the team. And so I had to like meet the team, you know, which at that time was literally just like one other girl, but that went really well too. And so it was like, oh man, like one thing after another. Anyway, they ended up like coming back with an offer, which was like super exciting. Did a little negotiating. I think I pushed that up to like 50K at that point, which was sweet, right? Because like that was the thing that that was uh, that was really helpful was like that was the first time where I felt like I was getting a job that I was actually qualified for. Like the other one, it was like, oh man, I got to like do some mad catch up to try to get to the point where they think I'm at. <laughs> but with this, it was like, I was coming into it a lot more confident, which meant that I had more confidence in negotiating. I had more confidence in stating some like clear boundaries. Like, you know, being a religious guy, I was like, look, I can't work at certain times. Like, you know, and, I, and you feel comfortable coming from a place when you feel like you are actually qualified instead of like when you're in that place of uncertainty. So that is, that helped as well. You just answered it, but I was going to ask, how do you get the chutzpah to negotiate on a job that's already paying, you said 50-something, so maybe this is at least 10K more than you're making right now, but you have the chutzpah to say, like, nope, not enough. Like, how do you get the chutzpah to say that? Well, it was it was really just, like, knowing from from a few different people, you were one of them, actually, but I had, I had talked to some other people who were talking about, like, what how that whole process goes right like it's it's sort of this game where you've got on the one side all the employers are trying to save money so they're trying to offer one of, on the bottom end of the scale that they're willing to pay and then on on the top end of the scale of what they're willing to pay is like is up for grabs basically if you can talk them into it talk them into how much you're you're worth and how what your value is and so 
uh, I was I was kind of able to do that by leveraging the side work that I was doing. So I was able to to kind of say like, look, like I might be making X at at like the current company that I'm at, but that's not all that I'm doing because I have this side work where I am doing everything that you need me to do. So you really have to factor that in. So this isn't as significant of a jump as you might think it is. So that was one thing, and then the other part was like, you know, like how valuable is this is this a job to you like it's obviously very valuable to you right and so you should be willing to to pay for that and at, at the time like they were trying to say you know like oh well we you'll, you'll be getting a lot of different certifications and so that's another thing to take into consideration with like this um with like the number that we're offering you and it was like you know what like certifications aside like we're, we're talking about like what this work is going to entail and that is worth a certain amount and I think it's worth this and I and I if you look on pay scale or you look on like career builder or some of these other sites where you see salary ranges like this is not out of the range of, of average this is like average and like this is what I expect to start at so I was able to kind of use you know knowledge is power right and like so the things that I think are helpful are doing your research making sure that you're going into the job knowing what exactly it does how much that's worth to a company and how much that's worth to other companies because even if you might not have an offer on the table at that point you want to make yourself sound like you're in demand you know that that this isn't just the only thing i'm looking for you're not doing me a favor by hiring you like we're doing a mutual exchange right like that's that's how i always loved it where it's like a win-win right so the the vendor or the you know the the retail person who's like selling their goods they, it's a win for them when you give them their money but like it's also a win for the other person because they get something in exchange and that's really how like this should be viewed so it's not like oh we're doing you a huge favor by paying you money it's like no like we're doing each other a big favor because i'm coming and doing some really cool work for you you know so it's important to keep in mind but that's not the case at entry level like when you went to work for that church school it's like yes whatever you say like i'll do it but now you're empowered you have the skills like you said knowledge is power and now you're engaging in a mutually beneficial relationship so walk me through what the exact signing number was and if you if it wasn't 60 had just how'd you get to 60 sure so that that it can probably wrap up like where we're at because that's like kind of the 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 end of the story there is so i'm probably like 24 at this point maybe 23 24 and so the 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 entry was like 50k like on on the dot 50k so it was like okay so i know now what i'm making this is good i'm going to try to push this even further and see like how far i can go and so it's always a balance between when you have like side work that you're doing and freelance stuff, it's always a balance of how much time do you take away from your day job to work on other stuff that is an immediate return as opposed to investing the skill and extra time into your day job so that it's like a long-term return of possibly getting more of a raise. And it was a, it was a big blessing because like within like six months, like I had pushed through like one of their website projects that had been stale for a while. I had like, you know, redid some of their social media and things were starting to work. And within six months, like they gave me like a two or three K raise. And so it was like, wow, sweet. Like this is totally working. Yeah. So we we're at like 53 there and it was like, wow, okay, this is, th th there is a really good 
I, I can see now like the benefit of not just trying to make extra money on the side, but actually like trying to hone specific skills that relate specifically to your day job so that you're extremely valuable. And I could, I saw like that pay off. Right. So that's, so now that like little jump, like was, you know, you could see that monthly, which is almost the equivalent of getting like a side project monthly. Right. So, so that was what I started wanting to push toward was like, all right, well, what would it look like if I was worth 60 K? And I started having conversations with a manager about that. I was like, you know, is that something that's even possible for this kind of job? Like, what would it, what would it look like? Like, what would I need to be doing? Like, what would I need to be producing? Like, let's, let's talk about this. We didn't talk specific numbers, but we talked specific tasks that were more and more valuable to the company. So that, that's amazing. So you did like real work. And just for the listener's backstory, you can, the company's Carolina Cat. If you maybe go back to their old Facebook, I used to follow the stuff you used to post on Facebook, and I've never laughed so hard in my life at the stuff you came up with that a bulldozer company posts on Facebook. So you had real results, real likes, real, um, real progress. I mean, you took their Google Analytics to X to X. Um, you took their Facebook likes from whatever to a lot more. Um, so you get to 53, how did you get to 60? So I realized that it's not, it's not just about what I talked to them about. It was, it was one of these like aha moments in my career where it was like, okay, the jump is not going to be made by me talking them into it. I realized that I needed someone else to be talking them into it for me. So there was this opportunity to submit for a digital marketing award um, one of the first years that I was there. And I was like, oh, this would be perfect because if I win that award, that's not me saying, hey, I'm really good at something. That's like a whole bunch of other people saying that I'm really good at something, which was like way more leverage than me like marching into the office being like, I need 60K or I'm leaving. You know, like it was it was like, oh, wow, there's some legitimacy to my talent and skill because it's coming from a third party. It's not coming from me. So I like pushed as hard as I could. I spent like hours and hours and hours trying to to put together a really solid like submission for that award and we did some amazing stuff and it was just it was a blessing to see like how many people collaborated and and how much we could do um, together as a team and so then we ended up winning that award and so that meant like we were the that was the first time that dealership had ever won that award that was out of like 55 dealerships across north america there was like all these caterpillar people telling the 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 vice president who was the boss of my boss like whoa like that guy is like really good like you need to hold on to him and it was at that point where i started hearing more and more of that where i was like ah this is it then now now this isn't me talking and saying Hey, I'm valuable. There's like other people now that are like dropping lines to them, be like, "Hey, that Greg guy is like actually doing some cool stuff for you guys. Like, definitely, definitely neat. Like, we we take you know we're, we've been watching what he does on Facebook, and we've been learning from that ourselves. And so, it was uh, it was one of those really cool things because I had prepared this whole presentation, not like in PowerPoint, but it was just sort of like took took all these notes, and I was ready to go into a meeting to say, "All right." I, I think that we, we these these like little incremental raises and stuff are, are wonderful and thank you for that but we need to we need a bigger one we need to jump here and before I could even say that in this one meeting my my boss was like you know what like you've been doing such great work like we're we're gonna we're gonna jump you pretty like 
pretty big and it was like most of the time they were doing like you know 2.53 percent raises or whatever like kind of standard and uh and she was like we're gonna do like a 10 percent one which like pushed me to like you know 61 or 62 and it was like what was what was great about that was it was like not me asking for it I, I wanted to ask for it and i was about to ask for it but i actually didn't even need to because i had focused more of my attention on like trying to get other people to tell them how valuable i was instead of just like be a squeaky wheel basically and that ended up paying off literally, literally paying off so that's the story zero quell hollow to 60k now, the reason I chose 60 is, one, because it sounds good, 0 to 60 like a car, but also, like, when you get to 61, so probably with your freelance, you're maybe at 70. Are you, like, hold on, quick, quick, when do you stop working at Quahalo? It was it was at um, the point after, like, my first raise, uh, so probably, like, 52, 53. It was at that point that I stopped working at Quail Hollow, and I focused all of those hours on my family, because I could, basically, you know? So, it, it, I, I had toned back the hours after I got the job initially, but it was about six months into it that I like just kind of cut it entirely. I, I just always admired that about you. you're grinding, hustling in professional jobs, but you're still at the country club, waiting tables, busting tables, whatever the country club, you know, needs. And it's like, you were never above that. You had a family with a wife and a kid at this point, I think to provide for. I've always thought that was, that was incredible. So 60 K you know, one of the reasons I, I chose that number is because at that point in life, you're a professional. You work for a, a real company, a multi-million dollar company. I mean, Carolina Cats, a huge privately held company. You've told me you, you rode on private jets there. Like, they, they got some cash. Um, so, at that point, 60K, you can start saving money. You can start paying off debt. Like you can start to live a professional, comfortable life at that point. How does how did that feel? It, it was it was an amazing blessing, uh, and it was it was good because it was proof that a lot of the wisdom that I had been getting from a lot of smart people throughout my life paid off, right? And so, if there's like a lesson to take away from that, it's when you have the opportunity when you're young, when you're in school, and you don't have as much responsibility, just pay attention to old people. Like the the older they are, the better, basically, because the more wisdom they have, and especially older people that have been successful. And it doesn't have to be in the same industry. That was the thing that I realized was how much wisdom was generic wisdom was like it spanned industries right so these businessmen that built like this one guy he worked at like this pipe creation company where they literally like manufactured pipes but the stuff that he would talk about was was so poignant and powerful and so i i really feel like it's important for everybody to just like just try to try to get as much wisdom as you can from books and stuff but also try to get it from people because when when on if you think about yourself in that position so you're 50 you've had a very successful career you're very wealthy and like this 20 year old kids comes up to you and he treats you like you're the president of the united states and he's just like all ears and listening to every word that you're saying and writing it down and going and applying it and then like writing you an email six months later telling you how he applied that it actually makes you feel really good too so it's a cool win-win when you do it on a personal level instead of just like hey i read your book like great thank you so much but you, when you actually begin creating those. And so then like, you know, as this 50 year old, you're like, man, this kid is like a great kid. He's actually listening to what I say. When I hear about something that's open, I'm going to think of that kid because he showed me already that he's ambitious. He showed me that he learns and is a good listener. 
So I, I, that was a, a really good piece of advice that I tried to follow, and I would encourage other people to do the same. So that was, that's an important learning, um, a, a, an important learning point for sure, is just like pay attention to the people that have been there, done that, and, and really try to apply it, and always try to think of it from like the other side. One of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten recently, just like within the past like couple months, was one of these uh, like really high up guys, like CIO of this big company. He was like, I always throughout my career, I've always thought like, if I was the CEO, like what would I want that guy to be doing? And uh, so when you think about it from like the top down, like it makes you focus a little bit differently and it makes you focus a little bit more on the things that add value or save money instead of like the things that might look really cool on my resume or might be really fun for me to work on for the next couple months. Um, it helps you like think, keep the business in mind at all times because that's what's happening at the top, right? When you become an executive someday, the whole business is riding on you making very crucial decisions. And so those are all factors that you're considering. That's incredible. So talk me through a little bit of the practicality. Like what did it feel like to make 60K? Like did you start saving money? Did you start paying off debt? How did your family feel? Like, did anything in your mind kind of free up a little bit? And was like, whew, like I, I'm like functioning in life right now. I can finally save a little money. If I go on a trip, like, what'd that feel like? It, well, it felt really good because I, there's a, there's a great proverb that's about like, you know, money gained quickly will hastily flee, but money gained over time is going to stay. And it felt that way because the incremental jumps that I was making weren't like outrageous. They weren't anything that I would like write a book about or anything. It was all sort of gradual. And because it was gradual, I never had that feeling where it was like, wow, I'm making like so much more money. I mean, how can I spend this? It was always like, all right, I'm making a little bit more money than I was before. Like now, how can we pay off more student loans? Like, so I, I like, I was chipping away like crazy at student loans. I paid off my car as soon as possible. Like, and then we just, my wife and I were having kids. And so like by the time I was 25, I think we had like two kids at that point. So it was like that most of the extra money went to actually creating more time for me because I didn't have to work at Quail Hollow and stuff like that. So yeah, able to save more money, not so much trips because of the state in life I was in, but like, but definitely that, that I, I would say one of the most important things, like from a marriage perspective too, was creating more security for my wife. So the more money that we were able to save, the more that we were able to like that, that I was able to not have to work like crazy hours was like the more I was able to make her feel more and more secure where she was at. So that was another important thing. That was also great advice that I had gotten over the years that, that so, so the more money was like very, it was a weight off my shoulders, right? It was like more comfortable to be like home more, but not feel guilty about it. And it was also nice, like being able to save more so that just in case anything were to happen or, you know, put away that rainy day fund and even start investing a little bit more. Like it was, I think I was like probably around 24 or 25 when I started like seriously trying to like put more money into a 401k, um, play in the stock market a bit. And so it was that, yeah, it, it, it it's amazing though, because, like getting there, you're like, oh, wow, this feels great. But it's like, man, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it feels like a lot of work getting there, you know? Yeah, It was a lot of work, but that's what separates you from, you probably can look back at some of your peers at your school, even some of the high producing peers or low producing peers. And you're in a different phase in life, not only personally, married kids and all that, but you're functioning at a very high professional level, especially now. Um, and maybe there's still 
and entry level jobs. I mean, no names, but yes or no, do you see anybody that you went to school with that's that's still just kicking the tires? Yeah, definitely. Um, some people got a little bit disillusioned and didn't know like what part of marketing they wanted to focus on and they didn't get hyper specialized like I did when it came to digital side and the website building. And so they didn't necessarily create like a, a skill as much as they did like just tried to acquire marketing knowledge. And so, yeah, there's definitely some people that I every once in a while I'll like kind of see on LinkedIn and stuff where it's like, oh, they're still looking for their real job. Like they're working at Best Buy or they're working, you know, in retail or something like that because, and they're still like waiting to get that marketing job, you know, and that was like, I graduated in 2010. So that's been like seven years. And I mean, the it's, it's hard too, because you had started this by saying uh, we, you know, there's like a, a category of people that think their circumstances are unchangeable and then there's a category of people that just like work hard to prove that's not true and thankfully with all the wisdom that I had and on all the people that I were, was interacting with I felt like I was in the other category it was like I'm not gonna blame the economy right now that I don't have a job coming out of college like I don't want to be that statistic where you know because they, they would always like tout these statistics in college where it's like you know we have a 94 percent you know placement rate after college and it's like placement rate means like you could be flipping burgers at McDonald's. Like this isn't like industry placement rates. I mean, I would love to see those numbers. I don't even know if they, they publicly share those because they're probably terrible. How many marketing degree graduates do you have that are actually working in marketing after you graduate? That's a fascinating stat that I should have asked before I spent a ton of money at school. But that, that was, there was, I mean, 2010, man, was just right on the tail of like how crazy things were after 2008, even leading all the way up until 2013, things were just like a mess in the economy. But I just never let that like be the driving factor. Like it felt like it sometimes it felt like it was a good excuse. Like, well, I, I didn't get that, you know, interview with that other company because the economy's poor. And it's like, maybe I just don't know the right people. Maybe I'm not like focusing my attention in the right areas or maybe my website or my website or my resume could use some work. So I, I, I've learned that over the years from like people like Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and Seth Godin who are just like quit whining basically, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you there are things that you could be doing to change. I loved this. Uh, there's this this uh, documentary called uh, "Touching the Void" of like this guy who has like the most insane survival story I've ever heard. Where he like falls, breaks his leg after climbing this giant mountain, and he's like, you know, it was it was almost impossible like survival story, and he survived because he fell down like this giant hole in the ice, basically, and. One of the things he said was like the thing that he knew that was going to keep him alive was like to keep making decisions, like to keep doing something, because if he didn't, he would die right then and there. He had a broken leg. He's in the like bottom of this giant pit. So he made the decision to just keep going further down. Like, that's insane. Like, how do you make that call? Right. And he he knew that he couldn't go up. And he knew he couldn't just sit there. He had to do something. So he was like, all right, well, instead of just like sitting here being like, well, I'm just going to die. Like he kept going down. And by going down, he actually found a way out and like is alive today, like telling the story because he kept working and kept making decisions. So that is, I think, a key thing for me, too, is like just throughout it, like never... I mean, obviously, there's like lots and lots of moments where you're like, oh, man, I don't know what else to do. But it's at that point where it's like, hit Google, man. You don't know what else to do. Like, that's where you're going to find what else to do or ask people, of course. Right. So uh, it's it's hard sometimes, too, when you think you know what to do and you think 
what you're doing is going to pay off, but then it doesn't. But at that point, it's like, keep, keep going, man. You keep grinding. So, yeah. And I mean, you've been a big inspiration to me too, man, because like you've always been that way ever since I've known you. And I've loved that about you. And even when we had first met at that Ignite talk, you know, it was like, man, this kid is so young, but he has such a firm grasp of like principles and like discipline and integrity. Like this is a guy that like, I, this is like a man after my own heart basically. And so we've, I know we've bonded on so many different levels, but one of them is the fact that like, I think we continue to sort of bounce off of each other. Like I constantly get inspired by your jumps in your career and some of the projects that you win and the stuff that you're doing. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's constant that I'm getting inspired by you. And, and I love that. And, uh, and I, I hope that we, you know, continue for sure, um, inspiring each other and growing and just like pursuing our careers and just like constantly trying to outdo each other in a good way. You know, you're very kind, man. Very kind. Um, I've had a blast doing this interview, so there may be some show notes. There may not be some show notes decline. Sorry, phone. Um, so there may be some show notes, may not be some show notes. I'm not doing this podcast for any other reason than I really like hanging out with some of my closest friends and I really like hearing their story. So I learned more about you today than I felt like maybe I knew in our last, you know, five, ten, five years of, of knowing each other. So thank God for that. But I loved it. Um, tell everyone here where they can find you. Website, freelance work, email if you want to share it. But um, give us some, some closing words and where can we find you? absolutely the best place would be LinkedIn at this point. That's been like my exclusive outlet of like connecting with people and using that to then maybe get coffee or, or lunch or something like that. That's always really fun. Uh, the name of the website that I have is pineappleinc.co. And uh, that that's those are the two places I would say that would be the easiest to, to find and connect me. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, I love this. Thanks for coming on. And I'm excited to see you again.